Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Welcome back to another episode of Steeler Stat Geek. This is the Steel Curtain Network's Dave Schofield coming at you. It's Thursday. It's scheduled release day. It's moving through the offseason. It's the day before rookie minicamp. There's still a lot of stuff to talk about. There's things to get excited about. Man, uh, it's what it is with the NFL and the Steelers. It is year-round. We, we haven't hit the lull yet. That lull comes like the middle of June up until July when they report to training camp when even like the Steelers offices and a bunch of people there are on vacation. That's kind of the shutdown time for the NFL, but we are not there yet. So there's still stuff to look at, still things to break down, still things to do, and lots of nerdy stuff that we can do here. Um, really am looking forward to the schedule release. I did a I, I did an estimation proje- projection. That's the better word. Projection of the schedule. Prediction of the schedule with Brian Anthony Davis. Uh, yeah, I already missed one because I went out on a limb and said, "Oh, let's let's do the Steelers into the that Black Friday game, that 3 p.m. kickoff on Black Friday, something new that they're doing this year." And I said, "You know, the Steelers play the Patriots, the two teams that have the most Super Bowl wins." Combined, I mean, each they're tied for the lead. Uh, let's take them and put them there. Nope. What'd they do? They went Miami Dolphins, New York Jets. I mean, they're really pushing the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Um, I, I'm, I, it makes it so easy to root against the Jets this year. It really does to just be like, yeah, let's kind of slow down a little bit. But uh, that's all right. You know, the Steelers, no international games. We knew that before everything. There is yet to be one of their games released at this time. This is what, Wednesday evening uh, when this is get, getting recorded. We'll probably find out a game or two, maybe even officially before tomorrow night. I know last year they did that. They allowed teams to announce two of their games ahead of time. And that was pretty neat. So if that's the case, make sure you are uh, staying tuned to uh, the Steel Curtain Network, and check it, more importantly, checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Yes, that website still exists. We will have all that stuff updated on the website. We have a, we'll have a tracker of rumors and other things going on with the schedule throughout the day. Uh, beware. Jeff Hartman warned about that on Let's Ride yesterday. Beware, because there are some accounts out there that they get they, – they start throwing out rumors and then all – you know, making stuff up completely – and then everyone's going to them for, for just some crazy stuff. And uh, I I knew pretty early that they were fake last year because it didn't match up. Um, but they got a lot of people and a lot of national people. So I just you gotta you gotta be careful uh, with the rumors out there, and that's why we we look at them and we address them as rumors. But let's dive in to some numbers. We're going to be looking at offensive line. Oh, shocking! Dave wants to talk offensive line. Problem with offensive line is a lot of times there's not a lot of numbers to talk about. So uh, I got a couple questions I'm going to answer this week. Um, one of I do have a different non-offensive line question that I'm going to answer later. It's actually a pretty quick one um, with everything. So I'm just going to go ahead and dive into this and, and see where it takes us. Uh, this came to me. Oh, uh, let's see. Was this one? Oh, this was an email. I had to make sure I was getting it from the right spot. This came from Nathan Smith. He said, hey, Dave, I've had this typed ready to go for a week, waiting for the pick to send. Just curious, are the stats slash milestones that first-round offensive tackles have to hit in their career for them to be worthy of a first-round pick? Short-term and career. Long live the nerds of steel, Nate. Now, 
I will tell you this because he had little gaps in there to, of just waiting to know what position to plug in for the first round. Um, so it wasn't even that it was tackle. It's that he was, he wanted to know whatever the first round pick was. So he had this loaded and ready. Uh, I went with a different direction. I, I had this question before last week, but I went with a different direction of, of the show, but wanted to get back to answer this one. And it's a little bit more difficult with offensive tackles. It really is. But I'll tell you what I did. Huh, I dove into it. I, once again, my go-to place, pro football reference. That's where I get my stats. That's where I get my information. I'll try to, to cross-reference things as much as I can if I need to. But a lot of times I just have to rely on them for a lot of things. Now, I have to tell you, there was some trouble with doing this. I couldn't go through and look, through, look things up based on draft picks. Because I said this before uh, when I was doing uh, the show that then my brother came on and we did the over-under. When it comes to offensive line, they've really gotten away from the position that the player was drafted at being very specified. A lot of times it'll just say offensive line anymore. Sometimes it'll say guard. Sometimes it'll say tackle. Sometimes it'll say center. A lot of times it'll say offensive line. So I didn't go that route by looking up players drafted. I, I went a different route. But there's a couple things with that that I then have to give give as a disclaimer. So I went the route of looking up players that actually played in a season at tackle. That's what I did because that meant the player actually had to be playing tackle and deemed being at tackle for the majority of the season. So I filtered that out where it was only first-round draft picks. So there are players taken in the first round that played at tackle. That's the information I got. Now, there's a, there was a couple in there. Honestly, I only found one that I know of. I didn't throw it out just because I, I – in case I didn't want to throw out one that I caught if there was more than one that I didn't catch. There are players that play multiple positions on the offensive line. And while that's not always the case with first-round draft picks, it's not that it doesn't happen. I'll give you an example but it didn't actually apply to this because this player was drafted uh, outside the, the the biggest range I looked at, which went all the way back to 2000. But look at someone like Alan Fanica. He was a guard. He was drafted as a guard, played almost his entire career guard. He bumped out to tackle one year. He had to, the Steelers had injuries. He moved out to tackle, probably cost him being all pro that year. He still made it as a pro bowler. He really did. So yeah, he was a pro bowl tackle as well. Um, and you could listen to Alan Fanica on yesterday's Steel City Insider with him and Craig Woofley on with Jim Wexel and Jeremy Ritz that they, they were talking offensive line yesterday. Jeffrey talked offensive line. You might be tired of hearing about offensive line. But what I'm talking about with offensive line is specifically answering this question, and we're going to dive into this a little bit more. So what, what I, I just wanted to let you know that there – I know there was at least one other time that there was a player that was mainly a tackle – or, sorry, mainly a guard – Played a year at tackle. So that might mess up the numbers just ever so slightly, but I didn't want to necessarily completely take it out because they were drafted and they played tackle. The thing that got it is it doesn't look at their entire career. It only looked at the years they were playing tackle. If there was another player that played tackle most of the time and moved to guard, it did not look at the, t at the years they played guard. They had to play at tackle in order for this to happen. So I'm just giving you my disclaimer of how, of, of how I was able to sort through the data. So this is what I did. I, I went back all the way to 2000, 
And I looked at players drafted in the year 2000 or since that played tackle. They had to be drafted in the first round of the draft. I would have loved to have been able to go through and filter out if they were taken in the first half of the draft or not. I just, because I had to go through the game's played way, uh, way of doing it, I couldn't select which, which pick they were taking. I could just do the round. So since 2000, according to Pro Football Reference, I have 87 players that were drafted in the first round that played tackle in the, in the NFL since 2000. 87 players drafted in the first round played at least one season at tackle in the NFL. Now, how do you figure out some of the milestones and everything for offensive line? You could try to break down penalties, but you're looking at a negative. Lack of penalties doesn't necessarily – it's a good thing, but it also looks better the less you play. If you're not on the field, you can't have penalties. So that one was pretty difficult. So I got to looking at several different things. I looked at were they were they ever selected all pro? Were they ever selected to the Pro Bowl? And were they and how many starts did they have? Those are the three main things I'm going to look at. And 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 here's the breakdown. Now, real quick, I've explained this before. I want to make sure uh, everyone's got this. The difference between Pro Bowl and All-Pro. Pro Bowl is actually a roster to play a game, AFC versus NFC. So you've got to have two tackles as starters, and then you've got to have at least two tackles as reserves. I think it's two tackles is that they do with reserves. It's how they do it. So you're talking uh, four players per conference that are selected to the Pro Bowl. All-Pro is not to play a game. It is a starting lineup for the entire league. There's, you know, there you've got six Pro Bowl quarterbacks in a, in a year. Six Pro Bowl quarterbacks in one season. One first team All Pro quarterback. That's the difference. Are you in the top three of your of your conference? You can be a Pro Bowler. And if people don't play and they're playing the game, then you could get it. You could be end up being a Pro Bowler by filling in. But if you're All Pro. You're the best. For example, center, one. One pick throughout the entire league. That's the all-pro. So remember that. That's why these numbers are different. Just wanted to make sure everyone understood that. So let's go. Out of those 87 players, how many of them ever made an all-pro as a tackle since 2000? And the answer is 13 of them. And you're like, oh, wow. Well, I'm not counting. That's not 13 pro or all-pro selections because – that's how many players got at least one because there are plenty of players that got multiple ones. But how, But once you get one all-pro, you're, you're an all-pro tackle. Um, so so that that's you know kind of like Minka Fitzpatrick. He's an all-pro safety. He was at last year. Um, Cam Hayward, he's an all-pro defensive tackle. He was not all-pro last year, but he was all-pro um, uh, for, for three, you know, three of the last six years. Uh, and when you, when you, I, I think those numbers are right in my head. So that's the All-Pros. That's 13. That means 14.9% of tackles drafted or players drafted in the first round that played tackle were selected All-Pro. So that, that, that's pretty low, 14.9. So we round that, we, we round that to 15%. That, that means you're talking three out of 20. Three out of 20. If you had 20 tackles drafted in the first round, you're talking three of them getting up to, to all pro level. Um, 
I also broke down. You know what? I'll come back to that because I want to go through these other things. So, so, so we got Pro Bowl. How many were selected a Pro Bowl? Twice as many. 26. 26 tackle or players that played tackle drafted the first round, making the Pro Bowl. Out of 87, that's 29.9%. So we'll round that up to 30%. So three out of every 10 tackles drafted in the first round have made a Pro Bowl. If you think about that, that's not a lot. That's not a lot. So if you want to know the expectations on Broderick Jones, if he makes a Pro Bowl in his career, he's actually doing he's actually doing pretty good. He's in the top the he's in that top thirty percent of tackles drafted in the first round. Um, then I went I looked at this was over you know since two thousand how many players started a hundred or more games. Now that's not going to be all eighty seven players because I had to I had to drop it out because you know uh, if you have it if you aren't even possible and these are regular season games if you're it's not even possible to hit you know dan moore jr has played 33 out of 34 games he's not a first round draft pick i'm just using him as an example he's played 33 out of a possible 34 games that's still not 100 but the most he could have is 34 so i i dropped off the players that haven't been in the league long enough that they've even have a chance of hitting 100 games and there are 23 players out of 59 who who play who hit a hundred starts, which means they're they're a long term NFL player. I would definitely call that long term, extra long term. So you're talking twenty three out of fifty nine. I didn't do the percentage when I was at, but that's less than fifty percent um, of of those players. Now there are still players that are drafted that time that as the years go on that they could hit that uh, milestone, but not not yet. So then I decided to do something else. I had to go in and really crunch some numbers to do this and do some fancy spreadsheet work and copy things over. I wanted to know how many, I could look at simply just how many starts a player had. But what's more important to me is how many starts did they have per season they played? Like you could take their total number of starts divided by the number of seasons they played. What is it? And I did the average for all 87 of these players. And the average comes out to 10.5 average starts per season played. So you're like, well, so they're not starting the whole season? No, I mean, that's, that's remember, the last two years has been 17 games. Before that, it would be 16 games. 10.5, you know, that, that's not bad. But you've got a lot of these tackles that started every game. And then you've got some other ones that didn't. I mean, just to throw something out there is that you also get other ones that, that really bring things down. Like you have uh, Isaiah Wynn uh, drafted by, by the Patriots. He's a, you know, I'm oh, sorry, not Isaiah Wynn, my fault. No, I'm the Patriots. It's Isaiah Wilson by the Tennessee Titans in 2020. He played in one game, one game. That's it. But he was a first round draft pick and he played tackle in one game. So that really brings stuff down. Um, some guys in recent years that just haven't had uh, a lot of starts. Then there's some, like I said, there, there's one in here I know that, that played a lot of seasons in the NFL, but they ended up coming over. I think it was, um, what's his name? Long. Um, I'm going to mess up the first name, so I'm not even going to try. Uh, played one year at tackle when it was really a, a guard. So, so those kind of could bring that number down a little bit. But I decided to say, you know what? How many players averaged 14 or more starts per year? There was 21 of them, 21 of those 87. So that's what, it, that's what the numbers are going back to 2000. So if you think about it, if Broderick Jones makes one Pro Bowl, he has done better than 70% of the tackles drafted or 
70% of the players drafted in the first round who played tackle. I keep saying it that way because I don't, I don't want to, you know, there are players that are drafted as tackles that don't play tackle. Um, he'd be doing better than 70% of them just by making a Pro Bowl. So the expectation of, oh, man, he's got to make that Pro Bowl. That, that's a real, that, that shows that he's, he was in, in you know, the upper echelon of, of offensive tackles taken in the first round. Now, I also went back to the Pro Bowls and all pros and said, okay, well, what about how, do, how early they do it in their career? So I said, okay, out of those 13 players that were all pro, you know, drafted since 2000, who made an all pro at tackle, how many of them made all pro in their first five years? The answer was 11 of them, 11 of the 13. How many of them did it in their first three years? Seven of the 13. So think about it. If you look at that first three years, about half of them that were going to go on to be all pro had already made all pro. That's interesting. I did it with Pro Bowls. Out of those 26 players that made the Pro Bowl, how many of them made them in their first five years? 21 of them. Most of them. All but five of them. Did it in the first five years. Some of them took a little bit longer to get going. How many of them did it in their first three years? 14. That cuts it down even more. Once again, that's all. That's just that's one player over half, exactly what it was with the Pro Bowls. One player over half. 14 of 26 that did it in the first three years. So you're talking about 14 out of 87 players. You know, you're, you're really talking uh, at just over 15% of making a Pro Bowl in their first three years in the NFL. So that's just something to, to remember. It's um, very interesting. I decided to say, okay, well, go, maybe going back to 2000 is a little bit too long. So I did it again over the last 10 years. I did from 2013 on. So I went ahead, you know, cut that down. Let's go from 2013 on. I'll give you those numbers real quick uh, before we, we get into a break. So there was 41 players that were since 2013 that um, were drafted in the first round and played tackle. Five all pros. That's 12.2%. So down a little bit from what it was before, which makes sense because some of these players that are newer could get to all pro eventually. And 11 pro bowlers, which once again, just a little bit, a little bit less, just about double, which is, which is kind of what it was um, back to 2000. But it's a little bit less compared to before just because some, like I said, some of these players will still have this opportunity to do so. When you cut the years down from 22 down to 10, the, the percentage of your data that is very early in their career is higher. That's why. Um, I, I think you all can follow me with that. Um, there was, and, and instead of going 100 starts, I did 50 starts because these players have less time uh, to do that. There were 18 players that had 50 or more starts, and that was out of a possible 27 um, because of these other of the other players that haven't even played, haven't even had an opportunity to play 50 games yet. Their average um, starts per season was very close to the one. It was 10.3, and there was 12 players, 12 players that had that averaged 14 or more starts per season. Um, now, when you look at it, of what they did in their first few years, like I did before, um, out of those five All Pros, all five of them did it in their first five years, and three of them did it in their first three years. Of the 11 Pro Bowlers, nine did it in their first three years. Five in their first three years. So look at that. Only in the last 10 years, there's only been five players drafted in the first round who played tackle that made the Pro Bowl in their first three years. Five. 
five out of 41. So remember that when it comes to Broderick Jones. That's why I'm saying realistic expectations are, to me, it's not even about the Pro Bowls or the All Pros. I want him just to be a quality starter, someone that you feel that, that could go out there, play, start, do what you can do. I, I mean, if you want an example for me of a player that's a quality starter that just might not get the notoriety they get otherwise, Marcus Gilbert's my example at right tackle. He went out there until he got injured. He was out there playing at a high quality, not enough to not enough that ever got him to the Pro Bowl. A couple of times I thought maybe he should have, but he just gave the, you knew that's who the Steelers starter was and you knew you were going to get quality play from him. And uh, if you could get that, that would be a, a great thing. Well, I, I ran over a little bit the first half, but that's okay because of what we're going to do in the second half isn't going to be as long. Um, it, it's actually, there's a little story behind it. So uh, we're going to talk about the Steelers, specifically the Steelers and uh both Pro Bowls and all pros on their offensive line and first round tackles. We're going to apply those kind of things just to the Steelers. Um, and then I have one more question. It's actually a salary cap question. Uh, so stick around. We'll be right back out here. When my phone rings, you found someone new. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, thanks for sticking with me. All right, so I try to set some realistic expectations when it comes to Broderick Jones. Like I said, if that dude makes a Pro Bowl, he's doing a great job because a lot of times that just doesn't happen with the tackles taken in the first round. Now let's look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Which one do I want to dive into first? Let's look at the Steelers' first-round tackles. Let's go all the way back to 1970, and let's look at players selected in the first round of the NFL draft by the Steelers who played offensive tackle for the Steelers. There's three of them before Broder Jones. Um, You know it's been a long time since the Steelers drafted a tackle in the first round, and the last one was Jermaine Stevens in 1996. He was taken 29th overall. That's because there was 30 teams at the time, and in 95, the, the Steelers went to the Super Bowl. So the 29th, something like North Carolina A&T, I think, is where he went to school. They knew he was a project, so much so he did not play in 1996. He didn't play in 96. He, he didn't play in 97. And honestly, he only played with the Steelers in 97 and 98. That was it. Three years with the team, two years actually playing on the field. Wow, 19 games, 11 starts. That's it. Obviously no Pro Bowls or anything. Then to go back to the next tackle taken by the Steelers, that was Leon Searcy back in 1992. He was the 11th overall pick. That's the highest drafted tackle you're going to get from the Steelers um, since the merger. And he played from 92 to 95. That's only four seasons before he moved on. Um, He played in 63 games and had 48 starts. He is a pro bowler, but not with the Steelers. He, he made the Pro Bowl in Jacksonville, and it was like year seven or eight of his career um, when he finally made it there. So that was a tackle taken by the Steelers. Probably the best tackle that they've drafted in the first round. 
in since the merger. So as you can see, Broderick Jones does not a really high standard that he has to pass in order to 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 surpass what the Steelers have done with first round tackles. Maybe that's why they don't draft very often. And then to go back to the other one, 1989, Tom Ricketts, 24th overall. He played from 89 to 91, so that's only three seasons. So, so listen to this. Stevens played for two years, was with the team for three. Leon Searcy, four years. Ricketts, three years. If Broderick Jones gets his fifth-year option picked up by the Steelers at the end of his rookie contract, he will have played longer or more seasons than any first-round tackle that the Steelers have had since the merger. Uh, that's that's kind of crazy. So just, just just remember that. Um, but anyway, back to Ricketts. Um, he appeared in 42 games with the Steelers. He had 13 starts. But there's a little bit more to that. Um, in his last year with the Steelers in 91, he actually played guard. And while I was at guard, um, he played he had, He played 14 games with eight starts. So listen to that. Eight of his 13 starts came at guard when he, was, when he started off as a tackle for two years. Yeah, that doesn't scream a lot of confidence for first-round draft picks that the Steelers had at tackle. I think I said he was the 24th overall. So think about that. The Steelers had two two picks, you know, in the 20s. One was mid-20s, one was late-20s. One that was pick 11. Now the Steelers have a, four, a 14th overall pick. Let's see what Broderick Jones, um, see if he can pass this very low bar set by the Pittsburgh Steelers. But there was something else. This came up in the comments of an article, and it's so funny because there's a wide variety of people uh, commenting on articles at BehindTheSilkCurtain.com. Yes, that website still exists. And, uh, you know, there's there's one person in particular that, you know, man, people might think it's me. They really go in there and act like they know absolutely everything. And when someone really takes, you know, shows them that they were incorrect, then they dig in even farther. And this one, this one was bad. This one was really bad. Um, and it was because leading up to the draft, they're saying you've got to go tackle over cornerback because, because tackle is such an important position. It's the most important position, blah, blah, blah. And people were saying, you know, it, it, I get that, but cornerback, the Steelers actually ha- have a bigger need there. And they made some really good arguments that, you know, cornerback really is a very important position um, you can't just put it all one left tackle. This person claims to be part of the industry. They don't know squat when you really look at what they have to say. Um, but what was interesting is somebody kind of owned them with, with giving them data, and, and it made me think about this data, so I went and compiled it, about look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and what's been the strength of them on the offensive line. Going all the way back to, to the merger in seventy. You know, before the Steelers were any, I mean, they had the number one draft pick in 1970 because they were the worst team heading into the decade of the 70s. They had to win a coin flip to be that worst team. But think about that. They were the worst team entering the decade because when you had the number one overall draft pick for 1970, you're the worst team entering the, the, the decade. And then what they did within that decade. But if you go all the way back to there, where's the strength of the Steelers' offensive line been? It hasn't been the tackles. It's been the interior. It's the Steelers' philosophy has been very strong interior, next level interior offensive line, adequate tackles. That's been their goal. 
That's been their goal. And the person on the website, they had this thrown at them and they, they, they tried to, to walk around it rather than just own it. That, yeah, that's, you might think that left tackle is important in the, the Steelers have not shown that. Now, I'm still glad the Steelers traded up and got the left tackle. That was the, that, that was a great move for them to do that. Uh, hopefully it works out because as you can see, a lot of them haven't for the Steelers. Well, basically none of them. But I went back and said, okay, well, this person was starting to bring up, hey, look at the all pros and the pro bowls of the tackles versus the interior line. Okay. I, I went back and went year by year and tallied them myself. So I hope I tallied them right. I could be off by one. But here's the deal. It is overwhelming how the Steelers have had next level interior offensive line and just got by with their tackles. That has been their philosophy. Now, are they changing their philosophy? I don't know. I still think they've, I mean, look at free agency, how much they invest on the interior of the line. But history is saying overwhelmingly that's what they do. And it's so funny because this person who got owned tried to actually say that pro bowls and all pros don't mean anything. What? Now, and their argument was Ben Roethlisberger was never all pro. Well, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger never was all pro. There was never one season where Ben Roethlisberger was deemed to be the best quarterback in the league. Terry Bradshaw was all pro once. Well, you could say that, but um, but you're talking about a position where you only have one in the whole league. So I get that. But yet Marquise Pouncey was all pro how many times? And, you know, Mike Webster, Jermani Dawson, as center, when they only pick one. Okay? So still, what that, that actually builds the point that these are more important, that their next level – uh, in, in how great these players are. So here's the numbers. I went back to 1970, and I looked at whether they were center guard, put them together because I didn't, I didn't want to separate them out just because of various things, and then I looked at the tackles um, differently. When it comes to Pro Bowls, the, the Steelers have had – 39 Pro Bowls, not different. These aren't different players. Like every time someone made a Pro Bowl, I made a tally. 39 Pro Bowls on the interior of the offensive line, seven at tackle. 39 to seven. Now, I will I will give you, there are three interior offensive linemen and only two tackles. So you're talking about, you know, 50% more, but these numbers don't lie. 39 to seven. But here's the trick with that seven. One of those seven for the tackles is Alan Fanica, the year he got moved out to tackle. He made the Pro Bowl as a tackle. The dude was a guard. He just went out there and played well and did what he had to do for the team. So even one of those even still technically belongs to the inside, if you want to think about it. Players for the Steelers that that made the Pro Bowl as a tackle. Okay, Alejandro Villanueva, Marvell Smith, Alan Fanica, Tunch Ilkin, and Larry Brown. That's the list since 1970 of Pro Bowl tackles from the Steelers. Five players for seven because um, Villanueva twice, Ilkin twice. The other one's once. That's the list. Now when you look at center and guard, these aren't going to necessarily be in the proper order. Um, I'll do my best. Uh, Marquise Pouncey, David DeCastro, uh, Alan Fanica, Jeff Hardings, uh, Carlton Hasselrig, Dermonte Dawson, Mike Webster, and Bruce Van Dyke. Those are the players making it to the Pro Bowl at center and guard. Okay, now let's go to All-Pro. 
How many all pro tackles have the Steelers had since 1970? And, and I mean, I don't know because I didn't go back any further. The answer is zero. They've never had an all pro tackle. Never had one. Just like Ben Roethlisberger didn't have, have an all pro season. Okay. 21 at center and guard. 21. Okay, and those players were basically everyone that I listed before except Hasselrig and Van Dyke. So it's Pouncey, DeCastro, Fanica, Hardings, Dawson, and Webster. All made all pro of the interior. So I will tell you that in the past, I don't know if it's going to be the same going forward, but in the past, yes, the emphasis for the Steelers has been interior offensive line to have those be the higher quality players. I don't know if it was on purpose or just the way they worked out, but that's been the the story of the Pittsburgh Steelers, a very solid interior of the offensive line, and then the tackles are what they are. And I think the Steelers were already strong at the interior, so why not go ahead this year and add the tackle when you had the opportunity? So that's the data. Can't really argue it. The Steelers um, really, really produce a great interior offensive line. All right, I have one more question I'm going to do, although I'm running a little bit over, but this will not take very long at all. Uh, this comes on Twitter from Joe Cirillo, at underscore Joe Cirillo. He says, uh, says at STLR Super Fan Dad. Hey, that's me, and that's where you all can ask me questions. Says, hey, Dave, stat geek question for you. Just read your salary cap article on BTSC, my one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, and I'm curious how the Steelers' current cap situation compares to previous years. Are they looking rich, poor, or right on par? All right, now. I can't do this very far back. All I can do is go back as far as I've been doing the salary cap because I I can't find where other people reported and if their report was right or not. All I can do, the the numbers that I trust when it comes to this are my own. So I'm really sorry. So all the further I can go back is the 2021. And I can tell you following the draft, before the Steelers signed any draft picks, where they sat right around this time of year, the last two years. Well, right now, this is after I even adjusted for the release of Arthur Mallette. It wasn't a, it wasn't a lot of savings after displacement. I think it was like 850 K approximately uh, of how much the, the, the Steelers were saving um, with the release of Arthur Mallette. But I added that on there. Okay. So right now I have the Steelers before any of the draft picks, everything at $8.1 million under the cap. At this time last year, they were $12.8 million out of the cap. And at this this time two years ago, which is, remember, that was the horrible cap year with everything dipping and all that, they were at $10.1 million out of the cap. So I actually like that they have a little bit less because it tells me they're willing to, to, to get their money now. And I think they're going to do like they did last year and at the last second do the restructures and not have to restructure for more than you need to. TJ Watts, the, the, the prime candidate for that because he has such a big contract. But also remember last year at this time, the Steelers had not signed Larry Ogunjobi yet. That was $8 million that was coming off the cap right there. So they're not in a bad situation. It's just lower than it was the last two years, but it, it's not that far off. It really isn't. And like I said, the Steelers could create more money right now with restructures, but they don't have to. And I think it's smart to wait to know what you're going to need um, rolling into the season. I expect a TJ Watt restructure, unless the Steelers have a problem between now and then because they do another signing, I expect that restructure to, to occur probably after, um, right around when, the, when, they, when the, the cuts have to be made down to the 53 and teams be compliant. Uh, you're probably looking for it right around that time in order uh, for that to happen. So 
So there's the information that I have for you. There's the cap update a little bit, uh, talking about stuff with, on the offensive line. I hope you enjoyed that. That was eye-opening for me when looking back at the Steelers and how much more success they've had on the interior of the offensive line. That's, that's really, really crazy. Also, just to think, if Broderick Jones makes a Pro Bowl, that's better than 70% of the players since 2000 that were drafted in the first, line, first round that played tackle. Also, he would be the first player drafted by the Steelers in the first round that played tackle to do so. Um, at least, since at least 70, and I'm pretty sure they might not. I don't know if they had any before that or not. All right, so uh, continue to send me questions. I'm I'm running dry now. Uh, STLRSuperfandad at gmail.com is the email. At STLRSuperfandad on Twitter. You can send me a message. You can at me. You can email me. I'll take any of those. Whew. Looking forward to that schedule tonight. So uh, make sure you're checking out all of our podcasts. Tonight will be a fun one with myself. Um, Brian Anthony Davis and Jeff Hartman uh, running down the schedule. Last year, Jeff said it like he did it every year. He never had done it before. Last year, he didn't take it seriously and had the Steelers going 17-0. It was uh, honestly, people that reached out to me thought that was a big cop-out and was kind of disappointed that he did that. Um, and he did it like he said, that's what I always do. No, Jeff, you always pick the Steelers to win every week, week by week. But you've never done it that way when the schedule was released. That was your first time doing it that way. So, uh Hopefully he'll do it right this year. We'll see. Um, I, I just like looking at it and, and having a great discussion. Looking forward to the Scobro show this uh, this coming Tuesday when we talk about uh, which some which ones of these games would be a great fan experience. So, uh, who make sure you're you're checking out uh, uh, Steel Curtain Network. Make sure you're checking out Fans for Sports Network if you're looking for any other coverage. And like I said, check out the the National Football Feed. Uh, KT Smith has been doing some great stuff there. Great draft recaps from uh, Andrew and Jeremy. We're getting some other voices that are going to be coming in there from other networks. Uh, some really good stuff. So as I always say to finish up, thanks for being here.